Like Italy, Germany had never been united. It had been part of the Holy Roman Empire. Then it splintered into 300 smaller territories and states governed by princes, bishops, dukes, and electors. After 1793, France occupied the German lands, and for the next 20 years, most Germans were governed from Paris. Napoleon reorganized Germany into 39 larger states. Napoleon viewed the free cities, the imperial knights, and the ecclesiastical territories too weak to be useful allies. They were destroyed by French ambitions and their German neighbors' greed. Napoleon forced Austria to give up territory to the southern German principalities, and they also gobbled up the remaining free cities, petty principalities, and ecclesiastical territories. In 1805, a defeated Austria surrendered their possessions in western Germany to the southern German states. In 1806, 16 states announced they were forming the Confederation of the Rhine. Napoleon was proclaimed their protector and soon forced the remaining German states into a confederacy that now totaled 36, but which excluded Austria and Prussia. These confederated states also left the Holy Roman Empire, which after 3,000, after a thousand years, ceased to exist. More importantly, Austria gave up its dominant role in German politics. Prussia had not sided with Austria and Russia to fight Napoleon, but they hadn't become his ally either. In October of 1806, convinced that the Prussian army could defeat Napoleon, they declared war. The result was a military disaster for the Prussian army and Napoleon's occupation of Berlin. Prussia agreed to give up almost half of its territory and population. They also paid with a heavy indemnity. French military occupation and saw their beloved army reduced in size. For the, text, for the next 10 years, the German states were controlled by France. Like the Italians, the French gave the Germans an efficient, centralized government, equality under the law, and freedom of opportunity. One German government after another removed religious restrictions, relaxed economic barriers, and eliminated serfdom. Men of property and education gained constitutional representation. Without the Holy Roman Empire, political unity for the Germans seemed feasible. They saw what the French had accomplished with their nationalism. German nationalism was also inspired by hatred of the arrogant, overbearing, and greedy French. Throughout the German states, secret organizations who wanted the French gone sprang up. Patriotism grew as Napoleon's financial demands increased. However, there was no unanimous agreement as to what a united Germany should be. Some wanted a liberal, united fatherland, others a confederacy that would also protect them from Austria and Prussia. Many just wanted a return to the Ancien Regime. The exploited, illiterate, and uninformed lower classes were indifferent, wanting only to live better and maintain their customs and traditions. Prussia, like the other German states, adapted to changing political and social conditions. Between 1806 and 1813, Berlin began to change from a rigid despotism to a popular monarchy supported by loyal, free citizens. Prussia abolished serfdom, 
although most of the land remained in Junker hands. And they dominated the country politically and socially. The cities, however, were run by officials elected by their propertied inhabitants. Prussia's most effective reforms concerned the army. The military was completely reorganized with more humane discipline, promotion based on merit, modernized and improved recruiting and training. Soldiers now replaced unquestioning obedience within a conviction. In 1813, the unimaginable happened. The French army lost the Battle of Leipzig and Napoleon's domination of Central Europe ended. The Confederation of the Rhine collapsed and the Congress of Vienna began planning for life without the French. The Congress established a loose political association of 39 states, the German Confederation. Individual control remained in the hands of the members' governments. A diet considered common legislation, but the delegates were representatives appointed by and responsible only to their rulers. The southern German states granted constitution and representative assemblies elected by property citizens to enact legislation. In 1818, the Prussian customs law removed internal economic barriers throughout Prussia. The Industrial Revolution was now in full force in Germany. In Prussia, mechanization introduced in textile mills and coal mines spread to other industries. Railroads, steamships, roads, and canals were built. Factory and railroad owners, financiers, and stockbrokers now became a new upper middle class whose members demanded greater political influence. As the population shifted from rural to city, agriculture was reorganized. The former serfs were now a property-less rural proletariat, working the Junkers' large estates. The nobility still controlled agriculture, commanded the army, directed the bureaucracy, and influenced the king. In 1834, a new customs union, the Zollverein, gave the German states commercial but not political unification. The Austrians refused to join the Zollverein, fearing it did not protect their industries, and Prussia became even more dominant in German affairs. The property classes continued to grumble about the lack of a unified Germany, while the poor worked 14-hour days under unsafe working conditions with widespread abuse of women's and children's labor. They struggled to obtain a basic subsistence and still 30% of the working class lived in poverty. By the 1840s, the industrial and agricultural economic depression transformed the discontent with the German Confederation into a full-blown revolution. In early 1848, the German Confederation's governments faced open rebellion. In order to avoid Republican or socialist governments, the aristocracies appointed prominent liberals to important government positions and introduced civic reforms to safeguard citizens' rights. An all-German National Assembly met in Frankfurt in May of 1848. The deputies, democratically elected, convened to write a constitution for a free and united Germany. But bitter disputes over the form of this national unification created sharp differences between the members. Some supported Gross Deutschland, which would have unified Germany and included Austria as its leader. 
Others believed in Kleiner Deutschland that eliminated Austria and its Slavic, Magyar, and Italian subjects from a united Germany. Prussia, with its efficient government and successful military, was this new Germany's natural leader. After 11 months of debate, the Frankfurt Assembly sent a delegation to Prussia's king, Wilhelm IV, offering him the crown of emperor. Wilhelm refused, later commenting to a relative the, about the insult of a crown from the gutter, disgraced by the stink of revolution defiled with dirt and mud. Austria and Prussia withdrew its delegates from the assembly, which by now was little more than a debating club. The Frankfurt Assembly reflected too many different interests. The aristocracies were unable and unwilling to form coalitions. The moderate liberals wanted to draft a constitution that would please their kings, and the radical members wanted the assembly to be the only legitimate law-giving parliament. But the assembly had no power to raise taxes, enforce laws, or raise an army and they relied completely on their individual king's willingness to allow reforms. The kings were unwilling to give up any of their individual powers in order to achieve unification, and quickly realized that the threat of an armed uprising was over. The Frankfurt Assembly did manage to establish a German navy. Frederick Wilhelm IV of Prussia was a staunch romantic, nostalgic for the Germany of the Middle Ages. His 1815 constitution gave his landed aristocracy, the Junkers, the greatest power. Frederick believed that Austria was divinely ordained to rule over Germany, and he wanted to restore the medieval Holy Roman Empire. He agreed to a new constitution for Prussia, which created a two-chambered parliament with an aristocratic upper house, the Herrenhaus, and a lower house, the Landtag elected by all taxpayers. The Constitution gave the king the power of appointing all ministers, reestablished conservative district assemblies, and guaranteed that Prussia's civil service and military remained firmly under the king's control. A series of strokes left the king partially paralyzed and mentally incapacitated, and his brother became prince regent. In 1860, the king suffered some more strokes and died. His brother became Wilhelm I of Prussia. No one, including Wilhelm, ever expected him to become Prussia's king. His father made him a Prussian army officer, and as a result, he witnessed Prussia's awful defeat by France in 1806. He continued serving in the army and was a very brave soldier. The fight against France, however, left him with a long-standing hatred for the French. Wilhelm had helped put down the 1848 revolution in Prussia with the use of a cannon, and he gained the nickname Prince of the Grapeshot. Unfortunately, Wilhelm inherited his brother's conflict with the Landtag. In 1862, the lower house refused to increase the military budget needed to pay for the already implemented army reforms which raised the peacetime army from 150,000 to 200,000 men and a 23,000 increase in the number of recruits. Wilhelm and his minister of war strongly supported these reforms, but the Landtag refused. Wilhelm decided to abdicate, 
but his sons, his son, ministers and yunkers, convinced him to appoint Otto von Bismarck as minister president instead, believing that Bismarck was the only politician capable of handling the Landstag. Bismarck, as minister president, was solely responsible to, king, to the king and not the Landtag. Bismarck saw his relationship with William as that of a vassal to his feudal superior. He described Wilhelm as an old-fashioned, courteous gentleman and a genuine Prussian officer. Occasionally, Bismarck felt Wilhelm's good common sense was undermined by, quote, female influences. This was a dig at Wilhelm's wife, who had been educated by Goethe and was a liberal who opposed many of Bismarck's official policies. Wilhelm, however, agreed to approve Bismarck's every policy and once remarked that, quote, it is difficult to be emperor under such a chancellor. Bismarck was born on his family's estate and was seen as a typical backwoods Prussian Junker, an image he encouraged by always wearing military uniforms. However, he was well-educated and cosmopolitan. He had a gift for conversation and knew English, French, Italian, Polish, and Russian. He studied law at university, and a friend described him as, quote, a reckless and dashing eccentric, but also extremely gifted and charming. Bismarck had a reputation as a royalist and a reactionary, with a gift for stinging rhetoric. He once said, quote, laws are like sausages. It is better not to see them being made. Bismarck was appointed as one of Prussia's representatives to the Frankfurt Assembly. Initially, he opposed German unification, arguing that Prussia would lose its independence. But over time, he decided that Prussia had to align herself with the other German states to counter Austria's newly restored influence. His main task in the assembly was to effectively control any of the assembly's proposals that threatened the status quo. In 1851, Frederick Wilhelm appointed him Prussia's envoy to the German Confederation. And while there, Bismarck engaged in a battle of wills with the Austrian representative. It reached a stage where the two men decided on a duel, but it ended without injury to either party. Bismarck also worked to maintain Russia's friendship and a working relationship with Napoleon III in order to prevent France from becoming Russia's ally and to threaten Austria. The Prince Regent made Bismarck ambassador to Russia. In theory, this was a promotion, but it sidelined him from German events and he could only watch as France drove Austria out of Lombardy. Bismarck wrote home begging Wilhelm to exploit Austria's weakness by moving Prussia's borders further south to the Swiss border and mobilizing her troops in the Rhineland, but he was ignored. In May 1862, Bismarck was sent to Paris as Prussia's ambassador. He visited England that summer, and he used this visit to meet and assess several of Prussia's adversaries, Napoleon III, England's Prime Minister Henry Palmerston, and the conservative politician Benjamin Disraeli. Disraeli said of Bismarck, quote, Be careful of that man. He means every word he says. In September 1862, the Landstag overwhelmingly rejected Wilhelm's budget. 
Bismarck made his famous speech to the Budget Committee of the Landtag. Quote, the great questions of the day will not be settled by means of speeches and majority decisions, but by iron and blood. Bismarck used a legal loophole to get the king's budget passed. He could apply the previous year's budget to keep the government running. Using the 1861 budget, Bismarck continued collecting taxes for four more years. In 1863, the Danish king died. Two duchies, Schleswig and Holstein, were claimed by the king's successor and, at the same time, by a Danish duke. Both duchies had an overwhelmingly German population and wanted to remain semi-independent. The new Danish king wanted to annex Schleswig to Denmark. Bismarck denounced his decision and, with Austria's support, issued an ultimatum demanding Schleswig be allowed to continue as it was. Denmark refused, and Austria and Prussia invaded. Prussia's newly reorganized army took less than a year to defeat the Danes. The Prussian military was also able to assess Austria's forces. Denmark renounced its claim on the duchies, and Prussia received Schleswig, while Austria received Holstein. In 1866, Austria demanded that the German Confederation decide on who should permanently get the duchies. Bismarck accused Austria of trying to renege on their prior agreement and sent Prussian troops to occupy Holstein. Bismarck had made a secret alliance with Italy, who wanted Austrian Venice, and Italy's entry into the war forced the Austrians to divide their army. The war lasted only seven weeks. The Germans called it a blitzkrieg, a lightning war. Austria, with its seemingly powerful army, was allied with most of the North German and all of the South German states. Nevertheless, Prussia won the war. Wilhelm and his generals wanted to push forward and conquer Bohemia and march into Vienna, but Bismarck warned that France might intervene on Austria's behalf and finally threatened to resign if the king did not stop the war. Bismarck also insisted on a, quote, soft peace with no annexations and no victory parade in order to quickly restore friendly relations with Austria. As a result of the war, the German Confederation was dissolved. Prussia forced 21 northern states to join in forming the North German Confederation with her in 1867. Bismarck also got Austria's promise not to intervene in German affairs. Military success brought Bismarck tremendous political support in Prussia. The budget was retroactively approved. Prussia's victory over Austria increased the already existing tensions with France. Bismarck held out the promise of France gaining territory from Luxembourg or Belgium, but this was only to make them look greedy and untrustworthy. In 1870, Bismarck forged a telegram from the French ambassador implying that the ambassador had insulted the Prussian king. Bismarck leaked the forged telegram to both countries and their newspapers. Both French and Prussian nationalism demanded a war, and in July of 1870, France declared war on Prussia. Bismarck knew that the French army was no match for Prussia. He was also convinced that the French would find no allies in the war. Quote, France, the victor, would be a danger to everybody, Prussia to nobody. 
That is our strong point. The German state saw France as the aggressor and swept by nationalism and patriotism rallied to Prussia's side and provided even more troops. The Prussians won every battle. The major battles were all fought from August 7th to September 1st. In one month, both French armies and Napoleon III were captured. The war's longest aspect was a five-month siege of Paris. Bismarck acted immediately to secure Germany's unification. Patriotic sentiment overwhelmed the Catholic South German states, and on January 18, 1871, Wilhelm I of Prussia was proclaimed the new German emperor. France was forced to give Alsace-Lorraine to Germany and pay an indemnity. The indemnity was the exact same amount Napoleon I imposed on Prussia in 1807. In eight and a half years, Bismarck had united Germany. Bismarck was made a prince and appointed as the first imperial chancellor of Germany. He had nearly complete control over domestic and foreign policy. In 1897, Bismarck died. One of his last remarks was to predict, quote, one day the great European war will come out of some damn foolish thing in the Balkans. <laughs>